Uh, I don't know if you guys know this, but shut how loud this is, echoing off the chambers in here. So, uh, before we get into our message, we're going to spend time in prayer this morning. Uh, And so, uh, I want to update you a little bit because uh, Dave had uh, his procedure on Thursday and came through well. Um, So, praise God for that. Uh, Yeah. Uh, Now, recovery time on that is quite extensive. And so, we're going to keep praying for Dave uh, and uh, and make sure he comes through that, uh, giving glory to God the whole way through. All right. Uh, so we're going to keep praying for Dave this week. Um, so I also want you to be praying for, uh, of course, we're praying about COVID uh, because uh, many of us have lost, uh, have, have had somebody in our lives who've been affected by COVID. Um, last week, we were praying for uh, Deb Day's dad who passed this week uh, from COVID. And so we're going to pray for their family. Uh, but then we're also, uh, we need to be praying for the world because uh, I don't know if you guys know this, but shutdowns are really hard in the U.S., but they're really, really hard in Africa uh, and in Asia and everywhere else in the world. And so um, I've got lots of friends in Uganda and Kenya who uh, have been saying they've been struggling is putting it lightly. Uh, and so we need to be praying for, uh, for those people around the world who have been uh, even harder hit than some of our families have been. Uh, and so we need to make sure we're praying for them this morning as well. And so I know that a lot, many of you have needs as well. So again, if you have needs throughout the week, get them in. And uh, I'll make sure they get on my list for Sunday morning for us to pray over. Uh, And so uh, what I want to do is uh, what I always like to do, which is I want to give you a few moments of quiet to pray over the needs that are on your heart, to just have some quiet time with God uh, before we go into the message. And then I'll pray and we'll jump into the word. So let's pray. God, we come to this place every Sunday because we trust you. Because no matter what else is happening in our lives, God, we know that we can depend on you. Now, there may be weeks, and maybe this is one of them, where we come more out of hope than in knowing. God, we come hoping that you're going to make a difference, hoping that you're going to move in some way in our lives. And we know that you're good for it. So, Lord, we come to this place with hope. Hope that you are hearing what the cries of our hearts, hearing the cries of our mouths. Because, Lord, we need you. We may need you now more than ever. And so, Lord, we lift up the concerns that are upon our hearts this morning. Both the ones that were named and those that are not. God, you have heard our cries. And so we ask that you would answer, that you would provide healing and encouragement, that you would provide strength and vision. Because, Lord, we, we want to be with you. We want to always be within your will and within your way. So help us this morning, God, 
to see your way forward in each of our situations and to navigate it with trust. And we pray over our community. We ask, Lord, that you would work in our homes and in our businesses and in our community gathering spaces. God, we ask that you would be at work so that we would see. We ask that your people, the church, would look more and more like your son Jesus each day so that the people who surround us that don't know you would come to know you because they know us. May our lives, our words, be an example for them of the gospel. And God, if they are not, if the things we're doing and saying are not befitting of your gospel, God, I pray that our neighbors would forget every word. Because, Lord, we want them to know you, the real you, the life-changing, life-transforming Jesus. And Lord, we pray over this nation. God, we ask that you would bring unity. We ask that you would build bridges and conversations where they seem to be long lost. And Lord, we pray over this world. We pray especially over this pandemic, God. We ask for an end. And Lord, we ask that you would provide for those who are most in need in our world. Meet their needs this morning. And finally, God, we ask that during this time, when we're looking at your word, when we are seeking to hear from you, God, we pray that you would speak clearly and loudly. And we ask that our hearts and our minds would be opened so that we would receive it and that we would live it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So, it's August 23rd, uh, which means we have reached the end of our first series together. This is the end. This is the last one of Wilderness Wanderings. All right. And so, uh, I, in case you don't know, I like preaching in series. Uh, it, it lets us go really deep on one particular subject instead of kind of bouncing around all over the place. Uh, and so, I hope that uh, over the last six weeks, your lives have looked different in some way. Uh, that you've either felt encouraged or maybe uh, strengthened or maybe really challenged, I kind of push for all of that. Uh, because I want, I want you to leave on Sunday morning with something you're still going to be thinking about on Friday. All right? I don't want you to just come on Sunday mornings and be like, that was a great message. Right? And then on Monday, when I ask you what was great about it, you go, So I like preaching in series, um, and so you've had your first six-week dose of me. Uh, hopefully you're not already overdosing, uh, because we're going to keep right on trucking. Um, and so we start a new series next Sunday, okay? And so I want to I clue you in on this series, because this next series uh, is really, really important. Uh, and I say that because sometimes I, I sit down in my office, I think, what am I going to preach next? And, and I kind of pray through and I read my scripture. And sometimes it comes out of what I'm reading myself in scripture. And I think, man, that needs to be said. But there are other times, like with the series we start next week, uh, where I was driving down the road and six messages in the whole like series just came to my head. I had to pull over and write it down because I didn't want to forget, right? Because I'm just, I'm praying and I'm worshiping and the spirit gives things sometimes. And so, so this next series is based off of a conversation I was having a few weeks ago uh, with Hannah, who's our new assistant in the office. Hannah uh, is very gifted in graphic design. It's where her heart's at. Uh, she's very good. Uh, and so we had a whole conversation about branding and how, uh, why businesses rebrand sometimes uh, to kind of bring things up to date in the business. And it hit me one night on my way home from Fort Wayne, 
the church needs rebranded. And I thought, all right, Spirit, what does that mean? Like, what does that look like? And so we're going to spend six weeks, we're going to ask a different question each week that is vitally important to who we are as a church. Things like next week, which is, why do we exist? Why does the church exist, right? What things are we for? <laughs> what does it look like to follow Jesus? It's the vital questions that should be shaping the things we're doing as a church, and yet there are so many other things generally that we let shape the church. So really what I'm saying is our rebranding is we're getting back to what it means to be the church. What does that look like? If we tear away all of our own desires, our own, our own strengths, our own wants, what does it look like at the base? What should the church be? So this is going to be a really fun series. It's going to be very convicting. It's going to bring hopefully some self-awareness to us and to the church. And so what I want you to do is I want you to invite uh, people who go here, right? People you haven't seen in a while. I want you to invite the people who come because we're meeting in this space, right? The people, or the people who refuse to come because we're meeting in this space. I want you to invite people who used to go here, people who don't go to church anymore, right? Because this series, we're trying to promote the solution instead of the problem, right? Right? Right. right. So, <laughs> see, I got you guys really deep, and you're like, wait. Uh, so, so we're trying to promote the solution, because if you noticed, and I can, I'm going to share this because I'm not preaching on it this morning, from our story today in Numbers 13 and 14, the, the people who had the sway were the people with the negative opinions. They swayed everybody else. Whereas Joshua and Caleb, who had the positive, we're going to do this because God told us we could, they, they didn't get the sway that everybody else did, right? So you see the power in the words we're choosing. So we're promoting the solution in the church instead of the problem. And so the series is going to be convicting. Um, and I, honestly, I want every last person you can think of to be there, whether it's here in person or online, doesn't matter to me. Get people here because it is going to be a really great series, all right? So, there's my plug, all right? But before we go there, we got to finish this trek first, all right? So we're trekking through the wilderness, okay? You remember? Let's, we're going to draw back into the current series. I know, I'm really excited for the next one, so I kind of got going there. Uh, but we're, we're in the middle of the wilderness, right? We're, and really, today, we're talking about the end. We're finally at the end. We thought we were there last week, right? We thought we were there last week, and the Israelites were like, nope, if God's not going, I don't want to go either. So today, we're actually skipping a little bit because we're, we were in the book of Exodus. Now we're skipping ahead to Numbers, all right? We're in Numbers chapter 13 and 14. And so as Stephanie shared earlier, uh, the, the background to this story is very simple. The Lord tells Moses, send some spies into the promised land to go figure out what it looks like and bring a report back. And so it says, starting in verse 25 of Numbers 13, that at the end of 40 days, they returned from exploring the land. And they came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert. And there they reported to them and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They literally brought the milk and honey back, right? And it says they gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit, right? So, they're like, man, God was right. This land is awesome. We can't wait to get there. But, because we talked about last week, there's always a but, right? But the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. We even just saw descendants of Anak there. Woo! <laughs> the Amalekites live in the Negev. The Hittites, Jebusites, Amorites live in the hill country, and the Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan. 
So in other words, they come back and they say, man, this land is awesome. It's so cool. But because it's so cool, there are a lot of really scary people who live there. But then it says in verse 30 that Caleb silenced the people before Moses. And he said, we should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. So you get 10 bad reports and two good ones, Caleb and Joshua. The two men who have such great faith, they said, ah, those people have got nothing on God. And Caleb here is the optimist, right? And, and you'll notice, uh, the more you get to know me, I'm the optimist. I'm always like, God can do it, right? Mostly because I've seen God do it. And they did too, but they were easily forgetting. And so it says that the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land that they had explored. They said, the land that we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there, right? There's this, there's this story in the Old Testament um, about how angels and, and humans bred together and they created these weird hybrid things, right? And so, so they're like, they're Nephilim. <laughs> and you have to imagine, like, they kind of come across as conspiracy theorists, right? Because they're like, all these people are massive. And they're like, okay, they can't all be huge, right? But this is what the story they're telling is. He says, we seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. How they knew that, I don't know. But it says the men were scared, right? There were these fears of these other people. And we have kind of seen this at work plenty of times in our own lives, haven't we? There's, there's some situation that comes up that makes us afraid, right? We're afraid of losing something. It's always a fear of losing something. It's very rare that we're afraid of something we're going to get, right? They weren't afraid of receiving the milk and honey. They were just afraid of what it would take to get there. And, and fear, as we see in this story, has a nasty way of spreading just as quickly as the gossip that carries it. Fear spreads fast. And so these men saw how big the enemy was. But Caleb did not see that. Caleb saw how big God was. Caleb, I should say, remembered how big God was. Caleb thought back to when they crossed the Red Sea, when all of the uh, Egyptians were defeated in the middle of the Red Sea. Caleb thought back to the Amalekites who were wiped out by Moses simply raising his hands. Caleb chose to see the bigness of God, how big God is, instead of how big the people were. And remember, every single person in the, in the tribe at this point has been through the same thing, right? They've all been through the same occurrences, and yet only Caleb and Joshua see how big God is. So for the Israelites, this is like the ultimate act of self-reliance and selfishness. When they see the enemy in the promised land, right, the land that God said he would gift to them, all they can think of is themselves, their own inabilities, the own places they fall short. And we fall into this same trap, right? When God calls us to, to capture our promised land, to take a step of faith, to fix a problem in our lives, to finally get out of our own wilderness, we only look at our own lack of ability and the size of the mountain that we have to climb. We act just like the Israelites, who in chapter 14, it says, That night, all the members of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. Now, I, this story amazes me, because the, the promised land is literally before them. They've been traveling for a while, 
The promised land is in front of them, and all they can do is be afraid and cry. And it says that they would, it says all the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron. <laughs> Again, right? We've seen that like a hundred times already. Because the answer is, if things aren't going my way, I'm going to grumble against the person who's leading me, right? So they grumble against Moses and Aaron, and the whole assembly says, if only we had died in Egypt, right? They had to blame somebody else. Why would you do this to us, Moses? <laughs> Why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? You remember in week one and two, we talked about those rosy glasses that we look back with, right? We look back at the past and we wish we could go there again. And once again, the Israelites are doing it. Even though we all know we can't go back, right? Our lives, our families, our church, none of it gets to go back to the way that it was. Now, most of us are still in that grieving period with COVID where we're trying to come to terms with that fact that when, 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 when we finally get to go back, things aren't going to be the same that they were. Some of us would like to deny that. I would love to deny that, right? But the thing about it is, and the thing we're going to talk about in our next series is we have to question, was it really that great? Was it working, right? Because nine months ago before COVID hit, 2% of Americans were in church on a Sunday. Two. So was it really working? And we do the same thing with our own individual problems, right? We think, man, I want my marriage to go back to this date when everything was really great. Or I want my, my family life to go back to this time when things were great. And we, we look back and we, and, and we don't see that we can't go back there. There is no way to go back. There is a way to go forward. The promised land isn't behind. It's forward. So what do the Israelites do in verse four? This is my favorite thing. Ready? We should choose a leader to go back to Egypt. <laughs> well, if Moses isn't going to take us back, we'll find somebody who will. <laughs> and so they chose to hang out with people who agreed with them, right? Because Moses and Aaron and Joshua and Caleb, they wanted to move forward. They wanted to fix the problem. The Israelites didn't care. They wanted a leader who would do what they wanted, not what the Lord wanted. And we can judge the Israelites if we want, right? Because we have the advantage of 20-20 hindsight. But we respond in the same fashions when we look ahead at our desires and our dreams and the things that we want, and all that we can see is the sacrifice that we'll require to get there. Because many of us miss out on the promised land because we don't want the sacrifice it requires. Getting out of a tough place to a land flowing with milk and honey requires us to stretch and grow and change to get there, right? We want to pray and have it all fixed without moving a muscle of our own. We want our marriage fixed without us having to change, even though it was our own habits that got us into this mess in the first place. We want healthy families without changing a thing. We want our church to reach the lost while still only doing the things that please the people here. We want to heal from these deep emotional wounds without facing them. So what we seek in these times of distress, what the, the sacrifices, when we look at them, what we seek is healing without surgery. We want the promised land without the risk. But as anyone knows, the worse your illness gets, the harder the wilderness is, the deeper the wound, the more surgery we need and the more risk we take on. The longer we let it go, the longer we don't address the issue, the longer it goes, the harder it is to fix. 
Now, this might look bleak, as it should. We've built to this point for a reason. We get this great difference maker in this story. Because the difference maker for us is that we follow the God of the Hebrews. We follow the God of the miraculous, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of Moses, the God who is bigger than every possible risk or need. And Joshua sees it. He says in verse 6, he tears his clothes, and he says to the Israelite assembly, the land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. Not just good, exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and he will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not be afraid of the people of the land because we will devour them. <laughs> in fact, there's another translation. I love the way where it says, we are the prey. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. The Lord is with us. <laughs> The Lord makes the difference. So how do the Israelites respond? Do they rally and they're like, yeah, Joshua's right. The Lord is with us. Well, verse 10 says the whole assembly talked about stoning them. But then, but then the glory of the Lord appeared at the tent of meeting to all the Israelites. Right? So the Lord comes down. He's like, all right, listen, I'm going to take care of this problem. <laughs> right? Problem is the Lord gets so angry at this point right? Because they're not trusting. They don't believe he can do it. They're not trusting. He gets so angry. He's like, listen, Moses, I'm going to wipe him out. I'm done. <laughs> We've been through this a hundred times. I'm done. So Moses, being Moses, goes to the Lord like he has a hundred times and says, no, please don't. Don't do it. Save us, Lord. In fact, he says in verse 19, in accordance with your great love, forgive the sin of these people, just as you have pardoned them from the time they left Egypt until now. And so the Lord says, I have forgiven them as you asked. Nevertheless, as surely as I live and as surely as the glory of the Lord fills the earth, not one of those who saw my glory and the signs I performed in Egypt and in the wilderness, but who disobeyed me and tested me ten times, not one of them will ever see the land I promised on oath to their ancestors. No one who has treated me with contempt will ever see it. But because my servant Caleb has a different spirit, and follows me wholeheartedly, I will bring him into the land he went to, and his descendants will inherit it. Since the Amalekites and the Canaanites are living in the valley, turn back tomorrow and set out toward the desert along the route of the Red Sea. Now, this little exchange we forget so conveniently. Because most of us, when we think of the Israelites, like they wandered in the desert for 40 years. I'm like, you're right, they did do that. But only because they chose it. To this point, it has not been 40 years. At this point, you're talking a matter of months is all it's been. God says, listen, you don't want the promised land. You don't want to do what it takes to take the promised land. Fine. You won't go there. The only reason the Israelites wandered in the desert for 40 years is because they got to the door of the promised land and they still didn't trust God. And so God said, fine, turn around. <laughs> the Lord was so angry but yet he promised Moses that he wouldn't destroy the people. So instead, he just turns them around. In other, in other words, he lets them destroy themselves. Except for Caleb and Joshua. And so we're ultimately left with a choice when the promised land is in view. When there's something that we desire, there's some, uh, 
some better life that we're looking for. We are left with a choice. And it's the same choice the Israelites got. Because the Israelites lived with too much self-reliance and not enough trust in God. And when self-reliance wins out, you end up nowhere. Fear always wins in that situation. Because you will, at one point or another, come up against an enemy you cannot take on by yourself. What we need instead is we need oceans full of trust in the Lord. Because when that's the case, those same enemies, those same problems that look big and, un and unconquerable, they pale in comparison to God. And so if you want to get out of the wilderness, you have to trust in God and you have to do what it takes. Because trust in God, real trust in God, always requires action. It's one thing to say you trust in God. It's another to take a step when you can't see the stairwell. It means going into battle heavily outnumbered with all the odds against you because you know that the Lord already has it figured out. Many of you have promised lands that are sitting before you this morning. So what I want you to do, I want you to close your eyes and I want you to picture the thing that you desire most in the world. Maybe it's a, a healthy marriage, a thriving family, a job that you love, ministry that's flowing with milk and honey, a church overflowing with the power of God at work. Picture it. Now think of the thing that needs to happen to bring that dream to reality. For a healthy marriage, maybe it's an attitude shift in yourself or more intentional time together. For families, maybe it's working less to spend more time together. For jobs, maybe it's that you need another one. Maybe there's some place that you need to heal emotionally or a place that forgiveness needs to win. In the church, maybe it's a major shift in philosophy or resources, a focus away from self and more toward the Lord. No matter what the situation is, we can all picture a promised land. We all know where we want to be. And most of us can see what it's going to take to get there. The only question is, are we going to trust God to pay the price? Because Scripture says that God not only sees the desire of your heart, but delights in giving it to you. It requires us to stare down some enemies and trust the Lord in those moments. Because otherwise, we'll spend the next 40 years or more wasting away. And did you notice in the story that it was the adults, right? Because it was specifically the people who had disobeyed. The people who had seen the miracles and still disobeyed God. They were the ones who were being punished. And yet, guess who else had to wait 40 years? Everyone else. <laughs> because, because the leaders, because the adults made the choice not to obey God, the children had to wander in the desert too. The promised land still gets claimed in the end. But they have to wait 40 years because they refuse to trust God. Don't make the people in your life wait for what is good. Choose today and every day to put yourself aside, to focus on the power and the desires of God so that we can all reach the promised land now instead of having to wait. My heart's desire this morning is for all of us to be in the promised land, to get out of the wilderness, whether it's as individuals, as couples, as families, as churches, as businesses. And it's open to us, right? The Lord gives it to us. 
if we will just trust and act this morning. And so I leave you with that choice. If you've got a promised land in front of you, a desire of your heart that needs to be fulfilled, I leave that choice with you. Will you trust God and claim it, or will you make everybody wait? Let's pray. God, we're so thankful that you set promised lands before us, that you even place these desires that are in our hearts, you place them there, God, and you honor them. And so, God, we know that we've been people who have been inward-focused, and we want to focus on you, God. And so we ask this morning that as we look at our desires, God, you would see them too. That you would give us action steps in our lives, things that we can do to show that we trust you, to show that we're willing to make the sacrifices we need to make in order to claim the promised land. Because God, we want to be there. We want healthy marriages and happy families and jobs that are fulfilling. God, we want a church that, is, that is, has people coming in from the seams, God, because they are so seeking the God that we worship. Lord, you know these desires on our hearts. You know the struggles that we've gone through already, and you know the struggles that were before us to lay claim to it. So God, we ask that you would be at work in us this morning to help us trust and to help us know what sacrifices to make so that we can reach the promised land. Help us, Lord. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.